Welcome to the last 8% morning. This is JP Palu Fry. It is so great to be with you today. In today's episode, are you looking for a fail safe way to lose and maintain weight? Well, I'd recommend you probably go somewhere else. <laughs> but if you want an approach that takes the best of what we know about human behavior and brings it to healthy eating and weight, then you found the right place. Today, the second in our series on healthy eating, I give you an approach that has worked for me that I'm excited to share with you. Let's walk. out, walking, enjoying this gorgeous day, moving as we are able. If you're new to the last 8% morning, we walk. We integrate movement and mindfulness and mental training exercises so we can be better in our last 8% situations. Could be a decision we face, a conversation we need to have, or a task that we need to execute on. So just feel your feet on the ground. Feel your belly rise and fall. And stand tall, look around, feel grateful. It is so great to be with you this morning. We start by paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally, which is to say mindfully. And wherever we have come from, we just arrive in the moment, letting go of whatever we are thinking about, whatever plans we are making. And we just feel our body and our belly. So feel your hands and arms. Feel your head and neck. Just check in for whatever sensations are present. Feel your upper and mid back. Just paying attention to whatever sensations might be present. Feel your lower back. And your shoulders and your elbows and whatever you come across just welcome it all mindfulness is changing our relationship with what is present in the moment because oftentimes we can't change what's going on in the moment but we can change our relationship to it So just feel your feet contacting the ground. Feel your knees. Just really pay attention to what knees do while you walk. It's quite fascinating, actually. 
And if your mind wanders to a story, a dream, a thought, that's fine. Just note that it's wandered. Let it be and come back to whatever you were paying attention to. Body sensations or belly, whatever it is. Fantastic. Now we will continue to be mindful as we walk. And we will, though, switch over to listening, being mindful of listening. So you want to be healthy and you want to be fit. So do I. But you find it really challenging to get to and maintain your desired weight. And with work being as busy as it is, finding time and energy to work out or plan and prepare meals is so overwhelming. (laughs) That's how I feel sometimes. And it can get so frustrating. And it can even at times make us feel hopeless because of the number of times we felt like we found the right plan and we made progress only to slide back after some time. And as you know from last episode, There's a lot at stake. It brings us down. We don't feel that great about ourselves. So we need a plan. What to do? Well, last episode I talked about how important it was to have a plan to manage the motivational cycle of doom. The natural up and down of motivation that we all experience. And that beating ourselves up as the plan to deal with the motivational uh, cycle of doom is not the best approach. Because it doesn't set us on the straight and narrow and, you know, help us be better. It actually causes us to engage in more of the same behavior that we were trying not to give into as a way to self-soothe. And it's interesting, after that episode, and I've not talked in over 120 episodes, I've not talked about last 8% tasks such as eating and exercise as much. It's all part of the plan, but I've not gone there because there's just so much to cover. But I received some really interesting feedback last week. And some of it was questions about, okay, JP, what do you do um, to keep that svelte shape? Well, they didn't quite say that. (laughs) But what's my plan? Well, here it is. I will give you my plan. I'm certainly not selling you anything. uh, But it's something that I think, relatively speaking, has worked for me. But first, my story. When I was young, from ages 10 to 14, I grew a little bit round. Um, compared to my peers, I really did think of myself as fat and it was hard. I remember distinctly a real keen memory is looking down at my rolls of fat around my waist and thinking, what wouldn't I do to get rid of those rolls? I remember like making some kind of deal with the devil. I mean, of course I didn't, but I was so self-conscious. My mom even brought me to Weight Watchers to a meeting or two, if you can imagine. I mean, Gosh, love my mom and dad who listened to this podcast. Thank you so much for taking me there. Um, fortunately, my, you know, I was fairly active and kind of grew out of whatever roundness I was at that age. But having said that, you know, I have to be careful. I'm now in my 50s and I love food. I love my Hagen dazs ice cream. I love chocolate. I love donuts. And if I'm not careful, I can easily put on weight. So over the years after studying, you know, this area 
as much as I can because I love to learn. Um, I've come up with an approach that really works for me around healthy eating, healthy weight. Uh, and it has, I could say, as I think about it, it probably has three features. Number one, it has to be something I can do for the rest of my life. I'm not interested in a diet per se. Number two, it has to be something that takes into consideration the best that we know of the science of human behavior. And that's maybe just because of who I am, but that really helps me um, because this area is growing in new research all the time. And then finally, number three, it has to have enjoyment as part of the equation. I'm not here on this planet for a shorter of a time that I'm here and we're all here. I'm not here not to enjoy all of its goodness, which for me includes food. So uh, I'm going to talk more about my my approach over different episodes. But for today, I want to talk about one of the key pillars of that approach, which is for me, intermittent fasting. Now that might be something you're very familiar with or not at all. Um, and just know intermittent fasting is pretty new and has many proven benefits, but also is fairly controversial in some circles. So please, before you do anything like change medication or change your lifestyle, consult with your doctor. So first off, what is intermittent fasting? Well, the core of it is that when we eat is as important as what we eat. When we eat is as important as what we eat. So this approach is not about counting calories, which I'm not a big fan of. It's about being thoughtful about when we eat. The biggest reason obesity shot up so much in the last 30 years, 40 years, 30 or 40 years, is not just because of poor food choices. It was because we started snacking. We started grazing during the day as opposed to having three meals a day, we would have, you know, remember they used to have five meals a day. Now, what was the problem with that? Well, really, it was a horrible piece of advice because, and this is what brings us back to the last 8%, you know, we're interested in what's going on in the brain and the body and neuroscience. Because when we would eat many times a day, we would get a continual spike of the hormone insulin during the day. And that's a problem because I won't go into it in a lot of depth, but insulin essentially tells our body to put glucose into fat cells. So if we're constantly eating, we're constantly getting the signal. Our body is getting told, put glucose into fat cells to enlarge them. That's how we get larger. And it was a really bad piece of advice. Intermittent fasting essentially means doing the opposite. It means eating within a certain time window of, and it really could be anything, but say eating within a six or eight hour window and fast fasting for the rest of time, right? So if you're going to, you know, eat within an eight hour window, you fast for 16 hours. If you're going to eat in a six hour window, you're going to fast for 18 hours, you get the point. And you can choose when that window is. Some people like to eat between 9 and 3 or 4 p.m., others more later, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. 
And what this does is it keeps insulin low and allows our body to use its stored energy by burning off excess body fat as opposed to sending excess glucose into fat cells. That's the big aha here. And I can tell you, you know, for many years now, I personally eat between really, I mean, around noon to one, and then again around between six and seven. So I'm around 16 to 18 hours of fasting and a six or eight hour eating window. I don't do it on weekends, or sometimes I do, but I don't often. And essentially what it means is I don't eat breakfast. And that might sound extreme, right? We were told five meals a day. We were told, eat breakfast, most important meal of the day. Oh my gosh. Again, not great advice, or at least debatable advice. Because fasting itself, um, when you think of it, evolutionarily speaking, we were built to fast, right? We've always been fasters because we had to hunt and gather our food. We didn't have refrigerators. We didn't have food, you know, whenever we wanted it at the corner store for thousands of years. So we're actually made to fast more than we're made to eat many times a day. And when people say that you must eat breakfast to have energy for the day, that's just plain wrong. Your body gives you a shot of sugar into the blood when you wake up. Cortisol spikes highest in the morning, right? And this is what fuels us for the day ahead. You don't need to eat sugary cereals and toast with jam, no matter how good my mom's strawberry jam is, to have energy. So I'll get more into the science of this on another episode. But I'll tell you the real key for me around intermittent fasting. In a sense, I lose a meal a day. I don't eat breakfast. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be down calories anyway, if you're one who cares about calories. But I care more about hormones and what's going on in terms of my brain and my body, in terms of the neuroscience. And so a key part for me of why intermittent fasting works is because of something called decision fatigue. So decision fatigue is a psychological phenomenon that really speaks to a person's capacity to make decisions. This is why it really fits last 8%. And the theory is that decision fatigue, um, the theory is that our decisions will get worse after making many decisions, you know, as our brain gets more fatigued. And it applies to all decisions, not simply the large or more difficult ones. You can think of it, um, a good way to think of decision fatigue and decision-making capacity is that it is a finite source, kind of like a battery. Each time you make a decision, it reduces the charge of the battery. And get this, on average, we humans make about 35,000 decisions a day as adults. Children make about 3,000. We make 35,000 decisions a day. By the way, almost 225 of them on average are on food alone. So this relentless list of decisions goes on and on from the moment we wake up. And this is what can cause us to grow. It's ego depletion in the literature, but have decision fatigue. John Tierney, who wrote a really great book called Willpower, a New York Times bestseller, said, no matter how rational and high-minded you try to be, you can't make decision after decision 
without paying a biological price. It's different from ordinary physical fatigue. You're not consciously aware of being tired, but you're low on mental energy. Feel your breath come right down into your toes, calming this body. Breathe out, release tension. This is why I've chosen intermittent fasting. Because of the weight of the evidence. And because the only decision I need to make is when to eat, not what to eat. Now, I need to put a caveat on that. I do eat, try to eat protein at every meal. I try not to eat all the white stuff, bread and whatever. So I eat pretty healthily. But I also want to enjoy my you know, delicious foods that I love. Ice cream, donuts, you name it. And while I don't overdo it, you know, he says, but while I don't overdo it, the key is I don't have to worry as much about making those decisions, right? In my window, I eat well. I try to eat well as in healthily, but I, I don't count calories. And I enjoy my, you know, dark chocolate with sea salt or my Haagen-Dazs. And because it's within the window, I know that science is on my side and that makes it easier to maintain, right? The key thing from my perspective is find something. I said this at the front end, three criteria. Find something you can do for the rest of your life. This is something I can do. Number two, take into consideration the best of science, you know, the best science of human behavior And number three, make it enjoyable. And so that's my approach. If it helps you, fantastic. I don't have a program to sell you. (laughs) But I do find this to be so helpful. Now let's go to our three by three. Feel your breath come in right down to your toes, calming this body. And breathing out, releasing tension. Now, three things you can feel grateful for. Fantastic. And now three goals for the day. What big rocks do you want to accomplish today? This podcast is definitely about being in the moment. It's also about doing because we know we get a big hit of happiness when we are productive. So what big three rocks do you want to get done today? Fantastic. Now feel your feet on the ground, look around, stand tall, feel grateful. If you're getting something out of this podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please share, write a review on Apple. doesn't matter how many words, just write a few words if you're getting something out of this. And uh, know that our Last 8% Academy is now open and it's so exciting to see... um, you know, the, the results of we've done our beta test. We're in the middle of our beta test and there's some really, we're really excited about this course. So anyway, we hope you come join us. So as we're finishing, bringing this energy 
and focus into the day. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a transcendentalist and a great writer, he wrote, and we'll finish with this quote, The first wealth is health. The first wealth is health. Have a wonderful day.